When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Do five years of this and be a millionaire and go on, do what I want to do, have kids, go live my chip and joy in the games life out here in Texas or struggle for next week. The choice is yours. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to normalize black wealth and share helpful resources and tips we believe will be useful in attaining and maintaining generational wealth. Please feel free to rate and comment on our podcast. We would love to hear all feedback you have. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Your boy, David Bellard, one-fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance, checking in with my co-host. Fellas, how y'all feeling? What up, what up, what up? It's your boy, Jalen, another quarter of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Feeling great, lovely. Can't complain, man. Just blessed. Ain't no reason to. Amen. How the rest of y'all doing, bros? What's good? What's good? It's your boy Kelly here. Lovely Saturday evening. It's actually special since instead of being in three locations, we're actually only in two locations. Yeah, so man, that's a surprise. Man. Narrowing fun. it down, y'all. One day we're going to get us all four in the same room consistently. One day. One day. <laughs> What's good? It's your boy Jared. Another fourth of the Black World Renaissance checking in, man. Uh, yeah, like they said, I can't complain. It's another good day in the neighborhood. Ready to get into this episode. Yeah, man. We got another fire one planned for the people today. But before we hop into it and introduce our guests, I want to take the time. Everybody, I got to ask y'all to make sure y'all leave a rating, a review, 
Y'all like, y'all subscribe to the podcast, man. We out here every day. We working. We trying to get this information to y'all. And, like, we bringing on dope guests every week. Like, I guess this week. Man, I can't even talk enough about this, man, bro. This hooey man. renaissance, man. The rap sheet on this guy, man. <laughs> I'm very, very long. We got some stuff to unpack with this episode, but we got a very, very special guest. His brother named A. Donahue Baker. He got he a CPA, a Grammy-nominated music producer, real estate developer, real estate mogul, uh, entrepreneur, investor, author, man. I, there's just so many gems in here, man. Donahue, man, welcome to the pod. How you doing, bro? Oh, man, I'm great. I'm great. I'm really happy to be with you fellas, man. I tell you, I got to officially say it. I love what y'all doing. I commend what y'all doing. Your movement is real, and I'm just happy to be here. Hey, we appreciate you appreciate so much, it, bro. bro. Appreciate it. So, look, we'll get right on into it, my brother. Just for any of our guests who are not really familiar with you, could you just let them know who you are, your background, and kind of like how you got your start into business and entrepreneurship? Sure. I'm A. Donahue Baker. You can find me on Instagram, all the social media platforms, A. Donahue Baker. I'm a real estate developer, but I do so much more. I'm the co-founder of a fintech bank. It's called Money Avenue. And what we do is we really, literally, we turn thousandaires into millionaires through wealth management and wealth building practices. And I guess we're going to jump in to a little bit about what we do on that end. But that's really it. I'm out to help people build wealth. I'm out to create millionaires because a million today will not be a million tomorrow. We just went through this multi-trillion dollar stimulus package. And it's important that we build wealth, that we not only build wealth, but we transfer it on to our heirs, our kids, and our children. As a CPA, I've spent over a decade in showing people how to do just that, whether it's tax strategy, whether it's real estate. I feel like I've mastered certain principles to the point right now where I was asked to be a professor at Morehouse University, and that's what I do. I accept it. I teach entrepreneurship and Black wealth at Morehouse University. This past week, I was able to bring in some key people through our network, but we've had a number of uh, key people that come in to pour into young minds. I just had the billionaire real estate developer himself, R. Donahue Peoples, a mentor of mine, come in and pour into these kids. The week before was Jermaine Dupree, the mayor of Atlanta. That's what I call him, uh, JD. You know, this is sort of what I do, but what I want to do is touch young people. Mm -hmm. So the key demographic is to show them, to network with them, right? Give them an opportunity to build wealth so they can start at the earliest possible age, entering the world, entering the workforce. Hey, I hey, love man, that's, that's amazing, bro. Yeah, that, Your brother out here really educating and building wealth, bro. Yeah. That's, that's what this whole pod is about. So, Donnie, man, we want to hop into it. Like, we just start the beginning of your journey. So, you say you've been a CPA okay. for 10 years. So, like, yep. like, what was the start of that? Like, when did you just decide, you know, you know I want to be a CPA and, like, how you started moving with that career path? All right, it started in the entertainment industry, music industry, started as a producer. I started to work with other artists, other acts, and just producing. Now, I had some success. I'm a Grammy-nominated producer. I was a producer on Music Soul Child on his most successful album. It was nominated for a Grammy. Because of that, also, I went to school in Washington, D.C. I was the one that discovered A. Marie. I don't know if you guys remember the artist, A. Marie, right? So, (laughs) discovered her. Actually, we had a record label on Sony, Sony Music. And that record label, we had high hopes for it. But you know how the politics of the music industry happens. The president of the label 
Donnie Einer was let go. And then things started to happen for our individual imprint and we got dropped. And our artist that we had, the artist that was going to come out and change the world, but because we got dropped, it changed the landscape. I had to reshuffle and rethink certain things in my life. And it led me to go back to school, get an MBA and focus on business. And that's how I landed up with the CPA designation. I worked for a startup, a young company, actually it was a CPA firm. And then I left the firm and then I went to start my own CPA practice, helping people to build wealth, helping people to realize how important tax strategy is and that it's not something you do on April 15th every year. You literally build that out every single month. So that's how I ended up with the CPA designation. And it's in me now. It's like I'm a numbers guy. Like everything is in my head. And it's really the first step in building wealth. And that led me into real estate and investing in entrepreneurship and a lot of other things that came along the way. So I know that was like long-winded, but, uh, but that's really how I started. My journey started. Wow, that was a great yeah. answer, man. That's, that's beautiful. And it's great that it came out of necessity, mm-hmm. but your immediate reaction wasn't, oh, let me just go hop to another label. Let me find something that's a little bit different, something that I can really make work and I can really figure out what's going on with this tax and really how to make and get the most advantage of my money. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is very key, right? So you said it. So at first, a lot of people did not have the wherewithal in the music industry. When something bad happens, usually it's like, all right, I'm going to jump right back out there. I saw it as an opportunity to kind of redefine some things in my life. And one thing that I noticed is that people that got into real estate, right? When I'm talking about real estate that is buy and hold real estate that creates passive income, they really had longevity. And because of that, when I first got my very first check from Sony, it was a nice six digit check. I took that money and I bought my first rental property. And because I did that, I was able to basically take a couple years and just educate myself, try different things. But at the same time, I was still getting some income coming in and I wasn't dependent on the music industry money, which goes up and down. It's like a roller coaster ride in the entertainment mm-hmm. industry. So I say that to say that real estate, to me, it changed my life mm-hmm. and it allowed me to be in a position where I did not have to focus on doing things that I did not want to do. You know, it put me in a position where I always had some money coming in on a monthly basis from real estate. And then that freed me up to do other things that I really wanted to do. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Hey, that's beautiful. I think it's real powerful, yeah. too, because, like, you know, a lot of people, they always think about that. They want the big checks, the big checks, the big checks. But 
you took the first big check you got and then you started buying passive income. That's like a real, real big wealth hack. Absolutely. And I kind of want to ask, where did you get that foresight to say, okay, let me buy this real estate? Did you, I know you said you saw the big people who are really creating that wealth, but did you have like a mentor or anybody that was in your ear? Or you were just seeing people in the industry go buy these chains and cars and then five, six years later, they out on the street cold. Yeah, no, it was the people that I saw, right? And it wasn't like they were out on, it wasn't like I, I saw their like go up and then lose money. But, you know, I was around people like Teddy Raleigh. Mm-hmm. I was around other people in the entertainment industry that I saw made millions of dollars, millions, right? And then I figured it out. I was like, they make a lot of money, but the person that's writing the check is really making the money. And I saw that the opportunity for the long game, you have to figure out how to build wealth for your family that is not dependent on someone else writing you a check. That was really the key, right? And what I wanted to do was establish a situation where I literally could go out and create wealth that pays for itself. Like you put an effort into something one time and real estate, if you do it the way that I tell people to do it, you buy and you hold and you just try to focus on increasing your monthly income every single year. So I try to, my motto is just do one deal a year. Don't try to do 50 all in one year. Do one deal a year and you'll guarantee to be making more money this year than you did the previous year. And that's how I built my portfolio. It didn't happen overnight. It was just, I had to keep increasing the number of units and it just allowed me to increase my income to the point where I'm a multimillionaire and I can also invest in other businesses. I can help other people and concentrate on building my legacy. And that's really, really how I live my life today. And and I really love, like, I love the example that he said, because it's like, we're listening to what he's saying. He's like, I'm gonna buy this passive income. I'm gonna make sure that I got some money coming in so that I can, like, it's the perfect example of what we always talk about. You get some passive income, then you can do what you want to do. You can spend the time doing what you want to do because you know you have consistent income coming in that's not predicated or, you know, dedicated to you spending your time having to go to a job or waiting on somebody else to sign a check for you. Facts. Facts. Donahue, man, I want to hop into one thing. I was reading your blog earlier, man. You talk about tax strategies and stuff. And there's something we haven't talked about on the podcast that I want to have you shed some light on. You were talking about a SEP IRA and you was putting me on some game in that blog. So can you talk to the people a little bit about that? The SEP IRA? Yeah, absolutely. It is so many different mechanisms and tools to build wealth that we don't tap into, right? So the SEP IRA allows you to put aside $40,000 every single year, tax-free money that can be built and built and compound interest all tax-free, right? It's similar to the, what you would call like a Roth IRA, right? Mm -hmm. Where you have 5,000, the limit is $5,500 that you put into an account and it just compounds and you can, you don't get taxed on it until you withdraw it. It's very similar, but the SEP is for, IR, for people that are entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. people that have businesses. So that's why I say and I preach a lot of times, everyone needs to have a business. And I'll show you why. Not only for the tax strategies, not only to take advantage of things like the SEP IRA, but also because if you have an LLC, your LLC has an immense amount of value that most people don't realize. So at Money Ave, we have a thing that we, we have like five or six steps that we show you how to create generational wealth. And one way 
is in through the power of the LLC. If you have an LLC and you don't have at least $100,000 of business credit, you're not maximizing your LLC. So it's taking advantage of the tax strategies and tax loopholes that are out there. I don't want to call them loopholes. These are things that the wealthy have taken advantage of for years. I try to show that to the average person that you can take advantage of them too. You know, it's about getting a business and being an entrepreneur, setting up your LLC, or when I say LLC, it could be any legal entity. LLP could be a C Corp, S Corp, whatever it is, but it's setting up these legal entities and maximizing them to their utmost potential. And that's really, really, really important. Even just like you said, you know, the loopholes or the tax strategies, whenever the thing came out with Donald Trump only paying $750 in taxes, a lot of people were upset. But during the debate, Joe Biden asked him about it. He was like, Joe, that's something that you're like, y'all created. Y'all gave this as an incentive for people who own real estate. So how can you be upset at me that I took advantage of it? Absolutely. And Donald Trump is, uh, whatever you think about him politically, mm-hmm. he is literally the master of corporate structure and business credit, right? Donald Trump has over 500 LLCs. And when we talk about the master of leverage, right? So he's able to set up his entities and set up his structures to the point where he can file for bankruptcy one day, which he did in 1991 and in 92, file for bankruptcy. Within a week, he could set up three or four other LLCs and get hundreds of millions of dollars Hmm. put in those LLCs through the power of business credit, setting up a separate legal entity and using the tax strategies that we have. You mentioned the fact that Donald Trump also, you know, pays basically nothing in taxes. One of the reasons why is because of the tax, you want to call it a loophole, but it's the tax law. It's called back to and forward 20, right? What he's able to do is take a loss. Donald Trump took a loss of a billion dollars, took a loss of a billion dollars. So what he's able to do is go back two years and write off his taxes and carry that forward, a billion dollars, able to carry that forward for 20 years. He never has to pay taxes. Here's a loss of a billion dollars. I don't know if you remember when Kanye West was on the verge of bankruptcy. When he was asking we, for money and stuff. Yeah, when he was asking for money. Well, guess what? He came across somebody with some, a CPA that gave him some game, gave him a strategy. The following year, Kanye got a tax return for the same principle, the same way that he, he took a loss, but he was able to, through tax strategy, get a tax return. He had the government write him a check and he got refunded $38 million. Damn. That is the power of having a CPA or somebody that has tax strategy and tax planning. It's like you can make money out of the air and it will all be written and come from the government if you're able, you know, they're able to give you that money back. So you could have filed a couple years later and refile and you're able to get that money back. So having a CPA on your squad that not only understands your business and is able to execute a tax strategy that goes along the line of what you're trying to accomplish and achieve is one of the key drivers of building wealth. And it's something that most people don't understand. They don't understand. But I'll tell you who does understand it. Have you, do you know what a family office is? I have heard of family offices before. 
is basically they're putting their money together and someone's managing it, correct? Yes, it is true, but you're missing out one key component in the family office. The reason why most black people have never heard of a family office, right, is because the family office is only concerned about the really, really wealthy, right? So let me define what a family office is. A family office is usually about 20 people that basically manage the wealth, this wealth management of very, very wealthy people. So let's say you're worth like $100 million, right? The family office comes in and they manage the wealth of that people, but each person controls a, a vertical, right? So you have one person that just focuses on getting this wealthy person or this wealthy family the best insurance rates. Another person comes up with the tax strategy. What is the best tax strategy that we can implement? Another person may just focus on investments. It could be real estate investments, or it could be commodities, whatever. It's just there's somebody that just handles that every single day. Also on the family office is a lobbyist, right? Mm. And you may think, why mm. is a lobbyist on the payroll of mm. the family office? Well, my friend, what that lobbyist does is he is in touch with people in Washington. That lobbyist usually has an office on K Street somewhere in Washington that he can influence legislation. Every single year, there's a tax law, a tax code. There's loopholes that are being generated. This past year, in 2019, Donald Trump, the Trump tax laws, as they called them, provided a, I keep saying loophole because most people accept it as a loophole, but understand it's just, the, it's just the IRS code, right? So there was a code that was written in where if you have an S-corp, you're able to write off 20% of your taxable income. All of this was, this came about because of the lobbyists, because lobbyists were able to put certain language into these bills. And if you don't know about them, you don't know they exist. So you don't structure your entity the way that it needs to be structured. And that's why the family office is at the center of how wealth creation is preserved and also created. And that's why the rich is getting richer. That's why our wealth gap is expanding. And my response to that is, we just have to be able to take advantage of the same opportunities that they have done. And that's why I'm, you know, starting, that's why we started our FinTech startup to cure some of the remedies and provide the knowledge so that average everyday people can do the same things. Gems. Hey, bro, you got to educate me, for real, for real. <laughs> I didn't know some of that shit. God damn. I didn't know any of that. No, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I the family it. offices, that's crazy. Like, I knew people, families would, you know, plan and structure, but like, as far as setting up an entire team dedicated, you know, from the lobbyists figuring out the political portion, like that right there alone, you filing as an escort versus like another legal entity just saved 20% just because you knew what was going on. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, so imagine if you're worth 500 million, what that 20% signifies. A lot. So that was part of what I did is I worked with the family office and I'm going to tell you that you know, there's lots of people that have jobs. If you have a job, and I really believe this for young people, and I, I say this all the time, there's nothing wrong with the job. Don't listen to all the people on the internet to say, oh, you know, you know, quit your job and do all that. Do what works for you. But understand this, if you have a job, the person writing the check, you're probably making four times for that person than 
what you're making for yourself, right? Because if that wasn't true, the business model doesn't work. So if you have a salary of $200,000, $300,000, you're probably bringing in a million dollars for this company. And this is what I learned at the family office. It's like, yeah, I'm, I got a great salary making good money, but using my mind, understanding your value, you're able to determine this knowledge that I have. I can do this for myself. I can do this for my community. I can help other people and make just as much money. And mm -hmm. that's really the key. And we just have to learn how not only to increase our valuation, increase our education, but we also need to see our value, right? Mm -hmm. We also need to be able to say, this is what I'm worth and be adamant about what you're worth and follow that through. Message. Hey, hey. man, he over here spitting that hot. Man. I'm telling you. And not a you, bro. I, we didn't tease it. We talked about it a couple of times. Money Ave, your fintech company. Can we dive into that? Because I know people are pretty interested in that one too, man. Yeah, I would love to talk about Money Ave. I've been getting blown up on Money Ave because I don't know if you heard about Killer Mike, who just started a black bank. Right. Well, that's what we do. Money Avenue is literally a black fintech bank. We're, we're in the same space as, as Killer Mike's bank. But I'm not a rapper, so you're not going to see me on, you know, every... CNN and everybody's podcast for the most part. You know what I'm saying? But the fact of the matter is that, you know, there's room for Killer Mike's Bank and there's room for Money Ave. There's room for Greenwood and there's room for Money Ave. But what we are is literally we're a black fintech, 100% black owned bank that is out to turn black people, give them the path, right? Our community, we're trying to show them how to create generational wealth. There's Four million black people in this country, about half of them, let's say we take about half of them, right? The median age for a black person is 30 if you're a male. That's the median black age. The reason why it's 30 is because, you know, we have a short lifespan in terms of we either get killed earlier or we die before the average population. If you're a female, the median age is 34, right? They live a little, they're a little older. But what happens in that age demographic between 30 and 35, we're at a point in our lives where we're starting to think about generational wealth. And that's really what we're trying to connect with. We're trying to connect with the 30-year-old, the 35-year-old, and that's our target demographic. But we're trying to show them, look, these are the steps to building wealth. So I'm going to show you what we do at Money App in case there's any confusion. It's six steps. Six simple steps that anybody can understand and you can understand what type of products and how we're able to do it. The very first step is what we call becoming a thousandaire, right? Becoming a thousandaire, we classify a thousandaire as anybody that has ability or has a business that can make about 100000 a year, right? We want you to open up a business account or a checking or savings account that, by the way, is FDIC insured up to $250,000, right? You can go to Money Ad, you can open that up, right? And once you do that, we have budgeting tools that can help you not only budget, but also put you in a position to give you a plan, a help you strategize to build wealth. That's the first level. The second level that we get to is we emphasize living a rent-free lifestyle. What do I mean about living a rent-free lifestyle? Well, we believe that the surest path to close the wealth gap is through home ownership. So we have things that we put in place that say, look, if you could 
house hack, they call it, right? If you can buy a multifamily, live in one side, rent out the other. Maybe in some parts of the country, there's not a lot of multifamily houses around. So what you would have to do is go the single family route. Or maybe you're a little older, right? Well, you can't really do live in a multifamily house. The bottom line is you want to have enough passive income coming in that it takes care of your living expenses. That's the focus of level two. Level three is where we really create generational wealth for people or start the process of creating wealth. The first thing we do is when your credit score gets to be 720, we ask you to lock it, right? It's locking your, your credit, your personal credit, and then living through your business, living 100% through your business, setting up an LLC and getting business credit. And we guarantee you that we can get every person with the LLC at least $50,000 of business credit to start your business, scale your business. And that's business credit that is not connected to your personal credit profile. What that means is if your business gets in trouble and you need to file bankruptcy like Donald Trump did four times, it doesn't hurt your personal credit profile. It doesn't send you to the poorhouse. That's how we need to show our people how to take risk, how to take business risk. Use that 50000 to prove the concept of your business. Use that 50000 to purchase some real estate, right? Level four, we show you how to go out and get a million dollars in debt. Now, that million dollars in debt is not going out buying cars, taking vacations. No, the million dollars in debt is through commercial lending products, right? Through your LLC that you set up, we'll show you how to get a million dollars in debt by buying assets, assets that pay you to own them, right? That's real estate, right? That's businesses. That's getting a higher valuation. That's what we do at level four. At level five, that million dollars of debt that you got into at level four, we turn that debt into equity. And at level five is the point at which people become millionaires, at least millionaires on paper. It won't feel like that because that money will either be tied up in evaluation if you're an entrepreneur, or if you're in the real estate, it'll be tied up in equity. And then at level six, we also have a way in which we show you, you mentioned the SEP IRA, we have show you how to do a 1031 exchange, we show you how to set up trust to truly pass generational wealth along to your heirs, your children, and we have and this is all through Money F, we have insurance products, right? We have a life insurance product. I'll tell you what we do in my family, right? Key thing, because we hate talking about life insurance in the black community because they're thinking, oh, people trying to kill off grandma. Not trying to kill off grandma, trust me. But what, listen to what I'm telling you. The wealthy, they have these life insurance policies in place from the start, from a very young age. In my family, what we do is we take the oldest member of our family and we give them a $2 million life insurance policy. And then everyone else pays the premium or chips in to pay the premium. And when that person is deceased, you know, the next oldest person basically is the one that's going to be the person that has the life insurance policy. You need to come up with a plan. Everybody needs to come up with some type of plan that works for their family. Doesn't have to be a multi-million dollar life insurance policy. But the fact of the matter is we're all going to die and we're going to leave this earth at some point in time. We shouldn't be afraid to talk about it. We shouldn't be able be afraid to plan for that time so that our legacy, so that our children don't have to go through what we go through, right? And we're at a special, special point in time in our country right now going through COVID. 
life insurance sales in the white community is up 600%. Why is it not up in the black community at the same rate? There's Mm -hmm. something going on. Like we need to talk about these things. And it's so important because when you're young, you can get a life insurance policy for $20 a month. Cheap, cheap. $20 a month. And there's people dying of COVID right now that are 20, 30, 40. There's no age limit, right? We're still battling this pandemic. It's just something that's really, really serious. I hate to gloss over it, but the fact of the matter is it's so much to talk about. It's so much to topics that we have to bring to the forefront instead of always just getting distracted with, you know, stuff that really doesn't matter. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Facts. And that life insurance, these two things I kind of want to touch on. That life insurance, that's the easiest way to pass down generational wealth. For sure. Like, I think too many of our people, we overlook that. Like, that plan y'all have is really smart, right? That's hell. Like, because it's an easy ROI. Like, people look at it like, oh, man, yeah, that's real fucked up. Like, y'all, but like you said, everybody got to die. Somebody's got, they're going to die eventually. Somebody's going to have to pass away. And if these family members are going to pass away, if we all can contribute, not only because, like, in the black community, I feel like we really look at life insurance as a means to an end. Like, oh, you died. We need this money to bury you. Like that's that's, that's how my family has always looked at life insurance. Where like, yeah. you can literally use this. All of us can pitch in, and whenever this person does pass away, we can cover their funeral expenses and also start changing the narrative of our financial lives because now we can get an influx of cash into the family that we can then use to do all these other things, and then you can invest back to the next oldest person. Now you're not even coming out of pocket. You're playing with house money. Exactly. Exactly. So much smarter than like just not want to do it or not want to talk about it because then that way, like you said, you have money to change the narrative around your family. Y'all have an influx of money and it takes away the whole thing of people always think, well, what if I put my money in and then what's, you know, I, I might not get it back. This is money I might not be able to get back. This is a guaranteed bet. Like we said, I mean, it's, it sucks to talk about it like that, but people have to pass. Like that's a part of life. Facts, man. Like, y'all got it, man. Like I said, I, I like I just love y'all energy. I love what y'all do because you get it, right? And y'all have a mission. I hope that, you know, we keep connected, you know, because there's so much work to be done. So much work to be done, man. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, for Intelligent Brothers, you know, when I saw the name of the podcast, I was just like, man, they get it, man. I wish I'd have thought that up, by the way. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, appreciate it, my brother. We really appreciate it. It was back in, I think it was like level two, man. You was talking about credit. You mentioned locking your credit. And I just kind of want to know more about that. Like, how do you lock your personal credit? That's level three, brother. And Mm. locking your credit is more of a symbolic thing, right? So if you subscribe to any one of the TransUnion Equifax experience, you subscribe to them on a monthly basis and you follow your credit. And you should, because anything you measure, you're going to be more attentive to it, right? And you're going to be able to affect change. But literally, each one of the services has a feature that allows you to lock your thing in a couple minutes. Lock it and unlock it, right? Mm-hmm. Simple as that. You know, wow. it's just, it's a symbolic thing to say, well, look, everything I do, whether it's travel, whether it's going out, bringing my significant other, girlfriend, wife to dinner, should be a tax write-off. Whether I get gas, should be a tax write-off. Whether I buy a suit or buy any kind of clothes, 
should be a tax write-off. Everything you do, 100% of your lifestyle should be your business. That's how you truly, truly optimize the power of the LLC. It's literally, you should be living through your business, living through your business. You know, the mileage on your car, the, everything that you do, every asset should be through your business. I think personally, you should not buy real estate on your personal unless it's the home you live in. And the home you live in, you know, should be through the FHA program. You can't do that. You can't use the FHA program through your business. So after you take advantage of the FHA program, and we all should, after we take advantage of that, it should be how do I build the legacy? How do I build my LLC to the point where it's worth a million dollars? And if you do that, and we show our children how to do that, we'll close the wealth gap significantly. And that's one of the key things that Money Ave is looking to do. Yesterday, actually Thursday, we had the billionaire R. Donahue Peoples. I had him come in and talk to my Morehouse class. He has a fund, $500 million. This fund is out there and we're going to be working with him, conjunction with him, to create more Black real estate developers. That's how we really impact our communities, right? If we're building them, if we're making them, if we're creating the pipelines, that's how we really affect and change the demographics. Because once you have the wealth, you have the power, you have the voice, you have the ability to really affect politics at its core on the local level. That's really where you need to engage, affect politics on the local level. And there was one more thing you spoke about that that was really important in this level six. And you spoke about estate planning. That's another thing that we don't take advantage of in the black community is really estate planning through wills and trusts. Because a lot of us don't even understand what the hell a will and trust is. We don't even have life insurance. We can't even make it to that level. So I just would like for you to kind of just break down as simple as you can what a will and trust is and how it works, how it helps you protect your wealth. Right. So the will is basically a document. Basically, when you're gone, says, this is my asset, my estate, and this is how I would like it to be apportioned. Right. But the trust is a special, special tool. The trust allows us while we're still living and there's multiple forms of a trust, but while we're still living, it allows us to exercise the will of our wishes while we're still living, while we're here. Not only that, it does some things, but it allows us to avoid the inheritance tax if, if we set it up the right way, right? That's what's so key in the estate planning process. So, and I'm going to give you an example of how important that is, even if you're not a multimillionaire or a millionaire with that, right? So most of us have grandparents, and some of us can't afford to take care of our grandparents, so we have to put them into a home or assisted care or assisted living, right? And you know how that works. They basically use the assets of your grandparents to run everything. So the proper way in which a lot of the wealthier families are doing is they're, they're basically setting up these trusts, and they're basically leveraging the fact that the individual has no assets and no income and going into these assisted living facilities. The trust is one of the key ways in which they're able to do that. Without that mechanism, it really wouldn't happen. So I put a lot of emphasis on that. And it's important that, you know, we understand that's part of just financial literacy, right? So it's like the more financially literate you are, the better financial decisions you'll make. So once we talk about that extensively, it's going to be an educational series on trust. 
We talk about that extensively at level six. I love it. I do want to piggyback off that really fast. Like I, I want everybody to please, please, please check out what he's saying and look into like wills and trusts because even if you don't think that you have something to pass down or you think that you already just have something like the example that I'm thinking about, uh, Vice did a segment and it's called uh, How Property Law is Used to Appropriate Black Land. And there was a family in Louisiana and they lost 400 and something acres because of the fact that they didn't have a will or trust and the land got passed down as heirs property. And you can look into that too. But like with that being said, like you can lose so much by not designating who these mm-hmm. different assets need to go to, how they need to be managed. People talk about like, if you yeah. look into the stats for how many people lose generational wealth by the second or third generation, it's crazy. Like you need these to take care of the assets that you're going to build. It's, it makes the whole purpose. No, it's, it's, it's perfect because like a lot of times, especially with that documentary you're talking about on Vice, what's happening is you have people just come in and bid for somebody that didn't really care about the land that they were mm-hmm. getting passed down to. And so let's say you have four brothers that get passed down some acres of land and one of them really don't care for the land and they sell their piece of it. Now that person that has now bought the land has the ability to take over everything. Mm-hmm. So you guys, it's important that you do know and understand trust and understand how it works. And it's important to that, that you actually get one for your family. And I just want to clarify right quick, just because they bought doesn't give them full right yeah, to they, they take control. Buy it up they got to have majority on it. Yeah. They got to be a majority owner of it. Well, they also, what they was doing in the watch card, they'll buy enough of it to force the sale. Yeah. Like yeah, they can go they to the got to be majority on. Oh, it has to be majority. Yeah. That's how they do it on that documentary. That's what they were yeah. talking about. Like the dude would buy up. Cause like that family in specific, they were like real disparate. Like it's a bunch right. of timber, timberland. Yeah, yeah. Like they all, all over the country now. So he's just buying stakes from like family in California, family in DC that don't give a damn about Louisiana until he's 51% owner. Yeah, I got you. Just buy it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Wills and trust. That's something major. But Mm -hmm. Donahue, man, it was another one, too. I was on your website, Money Ass website. It was something that really stood out to me. I think it's along the lines of the business credit you were talking about, the offering of quick capital. Could you hop into the quick capital a little bit for us? It said you could get from $10,000 to $150,000 of unsecured financing. What, What does that mean? Right. Well, number one, one thing that we want to do at Money Ave is we want to go after predatory lenders that are in our community because we feel that they're a blockage to wealth staying or dollars staying in our community. So we created this product where you can get anywhere from 500 all the way up to $10,000 in as little as three hours through Money Ave. So that's a product that we have at Money Ave amongst other things. So you know, that's going after the payday lenders, the uh, check cash in places that charge, you know, so much money. We allow you to at least get an advance. And these interest rates are, are pretty low. We're talking two and three percent interest. So I think that that product, if you're aware of them, there's no need to go to the pawn shop. They're going to charge you 20, 30 percent interest on your money. I just think that this is a better product and we want to make it available to our community so that they don't have to feel like if they need money really, really quick, they don't have to go other places. That's really it. I love it. And I like how you saw what was going on and you was just like, you know what? We need to put a stop to this shit and like yeah. just step in really and truly. So, sure. Now, I kind of want to go back to your real estate journey, my brother. Um, yep. 
Can we talk about that first property that you purchased and kind of just go like, what did that deal look like? Was that multifamily property? Yeah, my first property was uh, just literally duplex, right? So I bought a duplex in Atlanta. I lived in one side, rented out the other. And I probably paid about $200, you know, with mortgage and taxes, which at the time I was working, I had a good job. So, you know, that $200 living expenses, I'm golden, you know. But once that happened, I realized that this is a way to really, really build wealth. And like I said earlier, I just set out to kind of increase the number of units every single year. And over the course of about 10, 12 years or so, you know, I built this massive portfolio of over 500 units, but it started with that duplex. So, you know, we started with two family, then we did a four family, then I did a six family, then I started doing bigger and bigger units to the point where I'm, you know, buying big apartment complexes now, because, you know, if you keep wanting to up your uh, unit count, you got to go big. So that's kind of like, and that's the space that I'm in right now. Like we're uh, doing, like earlier this year, I purchased a hundred unit apartment complex, but right now working on 400 unit apartment complex out here in New Jersey. And another source is going to be, it's a ground up development, right? So now instead of just buying and rehabbing, I am actually building development ground up, like really impacting a whole city. So I have to work with the municipalities. I have to understand what the RABs are. I have to understand how to raise money, either through bonds or, you know, work with the city in terms of, you know, creating a pilot tax, various different levels of, uh, it's just various levels of interaction and engagement now. So it's changed along the way from just the duplex Mm -hmm. to now I'm I'm actually building stuff from ground up. And the reason why I wanted to go back to the real estate is because a lot of times people see success, they see you doing these great things, but with everything, like failure is going to be there. Were there any deals that you came across or that you've done that you was like, man, this one might be the one, but it taught you something and it was able to bring you to that next level? Yeah, I'll say one of my first affordable housing deal, right? So at the time I purchased it, I'm an affordable housing expert now, right? But I didn't understand the affordable housing landscape, dealing with HUD, dealing with New Jersey housing, mortgage and finance, so many different rules. There's lots of things that you have to know in order to kind of jump into affordable housing, right? So I would say that, you know, there's a learning curve. And once, you know, the first, when I first got in, it just kind of impacted the cash flow of the property because there's so many different rules and things that you can't do. And you know, having to deal with the three different levels of Section 8. So it's Section 8 on the local level, on the county level, then on the state level. It's just, it was way more complex than I had done in other apartment complexes where I just basically had to have a nice apartment and I would just give that apartment to the person that paid for the rent. And it's very, it was like a one-on-one transaction. So I would just say that, uh, you know, the different levels of understanding changes when you go into affordable housing. Hey. Appreciate that. And anybody who wants to get out there, don't be afraid because like I said, failure is going to be there, but take that failure, take whatever risk that you're taking, look it on the eye. And if you do fail, just learn from your mistakes. Don't let that stop you. Awesome advice. Awesome advice. So one of the things also that I just would add on to that is make sure that you take risk, especially when you're young, take risk but do it safely, right? Do it how we said before. Make sure that you have the right entities 
Make sure that your personal, your family, the things that you care about the most are protected. And then you can go out there and take all the risk. And if it doesn't work out, and nobody is going to basically be batting a thousand on everything. Some things are going to be great investments. Some things are going to be not. But I really want to tell people that are looking to get into real estate development or just real estate investing as a whole, do not make one mistake. Now, this is key, right? The most important mistake you do not want to make is purchasing property at the wrong price. It's very important that you know how to analyze real estate and purchase properties that are you know, somewhat below market price, right? If you're looking to buy and hold, or if you're looking to do value-add investing, the purchase price is the one mistake that if you, make, if you pay too much, it's hard to come back from that. It's hard to come back from paying market value during COVID and property values may fall at some point next year. We don't know. But if you pay market value and you don't have that built-in equity buffer, it's hard to recover from that. As a whole, the other mistakes that you make in real estate, they're all recoverable from. You'll learn from them. Even if you get a bad tenant, eventually you learn how to get a good tenant, right? But the most important thing that you have to realize is you have to purchase at the right price point. Very key. What's a good like rule of thumb, like maybe like a percentage wise? Because I've heard some people say like 60%. Some people say 70. Yeah. Like what's your rule of thumb for like purchasing below market value? Like Right. So there's a couple of things, right? I don't want people to get this confused with fixing and flipping or wholesaling, you know, when wholesalers, when they purchase 70% below market value and all that, this is buy and hold real estate, right? And what I want people to focus on is less than the percentage, right? More so that you do not want to put yourself in a position where the only way you're getting money is through appreciation or speculation, right? You, do, you want to put yourself in a position where the day you close, you're making money every single month. You want to make sure that you have enough equity in that, that it cash flows and you're in the black on day one, right? So it's not so much the percentage, mm-hmm. it is doing a thorough analysis. And that's what I teach my students, how to spot, how to analyze, and eventually fund these deals, these apartment complex deals. So um, the thing to focus on is that, the cash flow, the NOI, right? That's really where you want to focus on the net operating income. How much money am I putting in my pocket, right? That's the key metric that you want to look at, what you're making and not, you don't want to be in a situation where you're buying properties and you're expecting the land values or the property values to go up and then you'll make money. That's never guaranteed. That's called speculation. And I don't advise that. And, you know, I mean, if property values go up, great, but you don't want to depend on that. It wants to be kind of like an after afterthought. You know, it's just the icing on the cake situation. I like that. I like that. And if anybody wanted to become a student, how do they go about doing that? Where would they sign up? You know what? I got 20 students that I'm mentoring right now, and uh, I really take it serious. I'm also teaching. I'm a professor at Morehouse, so I have that. So I do. I spend a lot of time trying to teach young people and help them navigate through this process. So right now, I'm not accepting any more new students, but maybe next year, you know, I may do another mentor program again, but literally is what we do. We have some students that are doing some incredible things. I got a a student that's working on a 200 unit apartment complex. I got another student that is, you know, building some multifamily housing. So these are people that are out here doing it in the real world. And what I do is I lend 
not only just the, the encouragement and support and showing them how to analyze, how to spot these opportunities, but also I bring the full force of Money Avenue and mm-hmm. we provide funding for their deals. We have a $3 million line of credit that we lend to our students if they find deals that they need money to get across the finish line on them. You know, that money is there for them. So that's one of the unique things that I'm able to do because I was able to build up my business credit where literally I have an LLC that got a $3 million line of credit. So in order to use it, I need more deals. So Hmm. the students are out there doing things and I basically lend that line of credit to the students so that they can basically put in their portfolio and build wealth for them and their families. Hey. Hey, that's dope, bro. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. The real one-two punch, the education and the finance and all Hell that yeah. You go get some DMs after this one, bro. I ain't going to lie. People go get yeah, you but that's what people need, bro. They have to, like, take that risk and jump out there because, like, you don't know the problems that come with a 200-unit apartment complex. No. Like, and no YouTube video is going to teach you that. But yeah. I guarantee you who can is the man right there that's actually <laughs> been through it and his students who have, too. You know what I'm saying? But, like, other than that, you got to get out there and just jump in front of that, some of the stuff and to learn. Very true. Very true. And I have one last question. Just talking about owning real estate, you said own it through businesses and own it through LLCs. Can you explain that and why that is, why, why you choose to do it that way? Well, if you really want to build wealth, like, you know, you have to be comfortable with debt, right? But debt is a slippery slope. Things happen in life. You might, you know, things may go wrong. So I try to tell people, don't be scared of debt, you know? You just have to do it in a way that's safe, right? And the analogy that I give is it, let's say you're 17, 18 years old or whatever, whatever the legal age to drive in the state. But on your first day of you getting a license, you get into a car accident. Now, the thing is, do you uh, not get behind the wheel because you got into a car accident? No, you learn from it. And it's the same thing with debt. Many people get into debt trouble personally, right? And then They spend the rest of 10, 20 years trying to get out of debt, fix their credit, and then they're scared of debt. So I don't want any more debt. No, the way to do it is set up these legal entities, accumulate debt under the legal entities. And then once you do that, take risk, take risk. And that's how you build wealth. Everything won't work out, but you can walk away from it. And the thing is, something will work out. If you have a business idea and you're able to leverage technology, And that's what we could do this year. Like, I guarantee you, in the next 10 years, sometime in the next 10 years, you're about to see a teenage billionaire. I guarantee you. Most definitely. And the reason why is because we're at a point right now where the iterations of companies are going so quick, but in our communities, we're not taking the risk. If you don't take the risk, you don't get the payoff, right? The reason why I know that we're going to see a teenage billionaire is because you got lots and lots of teenagers that are creating companies and these VCs are funding these companies. So sooner or later, something is going to hit. And we're talking about short time windows where somebody can create a business, create a company. And in less than two or three years, that company is valued at two, three, $400 million. So it's not a leap to say somebody's going to 
come out the box and do double that and be a billionaire. Yeah, industry disruptor. And I actually saw a story a few weeks ago. There was this one, one kid, she's like 10 years old. She got a, a coding job. She coded something. And I think they paid her like 10 mil. It's huh? like, damn, yeah. 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 10 years old, 10 mil, bro. Yep. I mean, look, it's happening right now. There's a coding app. It's called Grasshopper, right? They start teaching kids how to code at three, four, five years old. This is facts, right? Look at where we're going. And it's so important that we're talking about this on the Black Wealth Renaissance podcast is because this is the key to wealth. What he just said is also part of the key to wealth. Teaching our children to take a part of that technology movement that's happening right now. Because if you have a company and you don't have technology, you're going to be fighting companies that leverage technology to the max. So if you have a company, think about a startup that, think about adding a technical founder, right? If you know somebody that codes, if you know somebody that knows how to write language and you can put them and incorporate them into your business, that's how you can go out there and get hundreds of millions of dollars through the VCs if you put a plan together and execute. That's really what Money App is, really, if you think about it. It's literally a fintech bank. We've been able to leverage technology. When you come and get a loan through us, it's through the technology, right? We're able to do that. So that's how we can, you know, we can invest a couple million dollars. And that's what we did. We invested a couple million dollars into our own business, our own bank, right? Linked with the charter. And then from that point on, you know, we got over 40,000 people that we've helped, 40,000 clients gives us a high valuation, right? So that's forced appreciation. That's wealth creation right there. We're going to turn around and give that wealth to the black community. That's really our goal, you know, but any business can do that. Any business can do the same thing, but we have to be thinking like that. We have to be thinking technology. We have to be thinking, how do I own the coding, right? How do I write? How do I transfer from, go from ideation, right? The idea stage that's in your mind into the real world. It's through coding, Mm. through engineering, right? Software development, things like that. We need to be more cognizant of that. And if you're a young person right now in high school, looking and struggling for a career path, if you learn how to code, that's how you get a six-figure job out the gate. Automatically doing that, doing coding. If you, you know, it used to be, you know, I, I started studying accounting in high school, right? Because I'm like, I'll get a job. Maybe I can be an accountant. And some business always needs accountants, right? So I was like, let me do that. Be the CPA. If I had to do it all over again, I would code. I would write my, I would learn how to read and write code, you know, so I can implement my own ideas, whatever ideas. And we all have ideas. I guarantee you every person that's listening right now has a million, multi-million dollar idea in their head that if they got with the right coder, the right computer science individual can bring that out and share it with the world. And that's crazy because David and I were actually talking about that. Was it yesterday? Coding? Uh, maybe. Uh, we were talking about it. We was like, damn, bro. If I would have known what I know now, I definitely would have tried learning that. But I'm just like, I'm too far gone now. I don't have time for it. But if I would have known in high school, like just really the big advantages and even if I would have just been exposed to some of the languages of coding, because once I got to school, I knew about Java and things like that, but I just wasn't interested in it at that time. But I'm with you. If I would have known what I know now, I definitely would have been somewhere coding because 
two, three podcasts ago, we had another uh, yeah, young Sue. brother. He's a software engineer and he created an iMessage game and it just teaches multiplication, division, everything like that. But it ended up taking off because he had the foresight to say, okay, I was exposed to coding. Let me really, really focus on this because I can see where it's going. Now he was able to go from one year, he created the app. Now he's, he like said. The top iMessage game, yeah. one of the top 10 iMessage games now. So yeah. Definitely a lot of opportunities in that, man. Then uh, you talking about the six-figure job as well. I think we mentioned that on that episode as well, y'all. These companies do not care about these degrees when it comes to this skill anymore. This skill is more valuable than a degree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Which, you know, begs the question. It's like a lot of people are getting hired without a college degree. So the landscape is changing. And I think when we get to the other side of COVID, we're going to see that. You know, we're going to see even more of that. So... Key point, key point. So young people, I hope you really take heed and see it. And with anything, if you can see the trend, you can meet the trend and take advantage of the trend, mm. you know? Because right. technology is not going anywhere. It's no, not going right. anywhere. It's going to be As much as you want to, um, some it's a show on Netflix. Actually, the first time a documentary was number one on Netflix, it's a documentary called The Social Dilemma. That was good, yeah. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> good documentary, but check it out. But, you know, it breaks it down, right? Talks about some of the dark side of social media. But the fact is, it's not going anywhere. It's going to be here. So once first step is understanding the awareness of how it's influencing, how technology is influencing our day-to-day -day lives. But then you have to ask the question, what am I going to do about it, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have to ask the question, if... I don't impact change. It's going to affect me and it's going to make the decisions for me. Mm. You know, and you, you don't want to be, you know, we as black people, we know about slavery. We can't have people, we can't give our power up freely, you know. Yeah. And I think that education, awareness, and saying, look, I'm going to use this technology as a force for good is really going to be significant. You know, we have to make those decisions. Hey, the gospel. Y'all definitely, definitely take heed to those words. If you're young, even if you're older, if you have that time, just really just take a dive into that. There's programs, even right now, I just saw that Amazon yesterday, they're cloud servicing, they're offering free schooling, and then after you're done and get your certification, they're offering a job. So, like, it's opportunities out there. Same thing with Google. I know we talked about it last podcast, but Google's doing the same thing. They're offering you training. They're offering you to teach you how to work their system but then they're offering you a job after you're done. And you don't have to necessarily keep those skills at that job. Once you learn and understand certain mm -hmm. languages, the opportunities <laughs> are unlimited. You're telling the truth though. The opportunities are unlimited. Like even at the last, I think the last episode we did when we dropped the Hypernova episode, I did a little bit more research like, and they used the bots to yeah, buy or like to help them get a jump start with the shoes and stuff. That's and coding. most of the bots are coding. Yeah, like all coding. of that's coding. Like, you can learn, uh, I think it's Python, language Python, mm -hmm. and that's one of the ones that they use to make bots. But it's like, that's even just for a sneakerhead. You know what I'm saying? Now you have the advantage over all these other sneakerheads that are just, you know, waiting on these releases to come as they go. But now, because you know how to code, you're that much better. I love it. And I heard you also talk about the VC firms. I wanted to get into that because I saw that you also are a co-founder of VC firm. Is Money Ab the VC firm or is that a whole separate entity? We got $10 million that we're looking to invest in people with ideas. 
that's really what it is. Now, $10 million is not a lot of money in that space and in that world. So it's a new process, but we basically are looking for companies that can scale rapidly. We're looking to just create more entrepreneurs, more people that have great ideas and just be a resource to them. That's really our goal behind that fund. And, you know, we've invested in a startup already in January, and we've also invested in a soft drink, like a person that was putting out a beverage that actually went on to put the beverage in Walmart and, you know, build a significant audience. So it's not all technology, but let's face it, if you're looking to build wealth rapidly, you know, you have to incorporate technology in something that you do. So I am really looking for people, particularly minorities in the technology space that need help, that are looking for investment capital. You know, we have that fund, uh, that money set aside for you guys. And then, you know, that's a key thing of what we're looking to do. And what are some of those criterias? So if a person is ready, they know okay, I'm ready to step to Donahue. I'm ready to try to get this thing going. Right. So number one starts with the business plan, right? So we don't expect you to have a fully baked out uh, product or anything like that in the market, but definitely be able to articulate your vision. One of the definitions of a startup is growth, right? So you have to be in a business that has growth. You know, um, if I can quantify it for you, um, Maybe not today, but at least five years down the road, your business should be able to be making $100 million a year. You know, that's growth. You know, you might have zero sales right now, but those are the type of companies that we're looking to invest in. A company that could one day, if you could make $100 million a year through your business and you can map that out, that's how you get money from us. You know, that's one way. Those are the companies that are going to be worth a billion dollars down the road, right? That billion dollar valuation, for those of you guys in the tech space, that's called a unicorn, right? When a company is valued at a billion dollars, they call that a unicorn. And what we are looking for is we're looking for the next unicorn, you know, particularly because we know that there's talent in the black community. There's 40 million black families here, right? And what we do is even at Money Ave, we're just looking for 10,000 people. Like our business model, 10,000 people is going to allow us to create a half a billion dollars, mm. a half a billion dollars, right? So if you, maybe that ecosystem of technology, if we can take that money and put it and invest it in your startup or your, you know, your opportunity, you mentioned the, the guy that created the chat box. I mean, look, right now, I know how big the sneaker industry is. If there was a sneakerhead that came up with his own chat bot to find sneakers at a significantly discounted price, now, that business would be something that, you know, would be definitely viable because that's a, something that there's lots of people are searching for. And lots of people are always into sneakers. I'm into sneakers, you know, right now I got the, I got the Tim's on though. But, <laughs> <laughs> but see, I usually, I usually got a nice pair of kicks on too. So, but um, yeah, so I hope I answered the question. You know, we're looking for founders that, you know, have that technology incorporated into what they're doing. We're looking for people to take this business serious and we're looking to invest in them. That's the key. I love it. I love, love it, it, my brother. Hey, you out here really giving that community opportunities to build wealth, man. I absolutely love it. So, Donahue, bro, we want to pivot to the last segment of the show, bro. So, okay. I want to ask you, what's something that you've seen on your timeline that you want to speak about, man? It could be anything. 
Um, man, well, number one, I wanted to, uh, and this is my issue right here, right? You know, timeline situation is this ice cube has been ah, getting up, man. <laughs> and I had to, I just feel like this, right? I talk politics, but, you know, if you're a Republican or whatever, you know, that's your choice. I don't hate on Republicans, just like I don't hate on Democrats. I'm an independent, you know? But I believe that we've got to support our celebrities that come out and take a stand because they do so at the peril of costing opportunities for them and their families, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And for so long, our celebrities have been playing it safe. When, when Colin Kaepernick came out and took a knee. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. You know, a lot of people didn't support that. You know, a lot of people were just saying, oh, why don't he just, you know, play football? But no, these are people that are from communities that have experienced pain, have experienced trauma. So when Ice Cube comes up and makes a stand, I'm like, Yo, I'm the last person that wants to come out and condemn it. Whether I believe in the Platinum Plan or not, yeah. I respect the fact that we have somebody that has a platform and a voice, and they're coming up with the idea that's going to help Black America. So... You know, all of those, and the other thing too, and, and this is it, and I, I don't want to get too long-winded because I can go yeah, on out. Talk about it. People need it. <laughs> but help. as black people, we've got to learn how to disagree and still support, right? Ooh. Disagree in terms of, I don't think 100% like you, but I see how that can be valuable for our community, right? Mm-hmm. Prime example, when Cube came out, and like I said, nobody speaks for the black community, like we're just one monolithic people. We all have different views, but let's face it, right? If you're a descendant of a slave, you've had trauma in your genetic code. It's in your makeup. It's how it's built into the fabric of this country. We built, we built America. The reason why America as a country was able to really excel beyond the rest of the world is because while the rest of the world was fighting, we were <laughs> living off the backs of slave labor and building industry and walking into the industrial age. And whether you, you know, disagree or not with that argument, the fact of the matter is that we need to support people that speak for us, right? And that's just the key. I don't, I hate it when you got people that just want to ne- talk negative, you know, without really even, number one, understanding the argument, mm-hmm. but also number two, just understanding that what is being said is going to benefit you more. You know, like I know having that trauma allows us, it makes us pessimistic on a lot of things, but the people that really succeed are the people that are able to, number one, think of the greater good. So I'll just say that without, you know, getting into the political Democrat Republican thing. I'll leave it alone. (laughs) Nah, I'm with you on this, man. (laughs) People was going too far with this stuff, man. They like, man, Ice Cube canceled all this, that, and the other. And like, they just, they running without really looking and like taking a, a real, like, objective Step look back. at things. Yeah. They not looking at things from like through a lens of like, oh, this is actually somebody that's trying to make progress. It's just like, oh, 
He talked to Donald Trump. He a coon. And that's pretty much that's, how they felt. Bro, that's silly, man. It's just silly. I, I, man, that really made me mad because, like, so I said something about it on Twitter and people started attacking me. But people was mad because, like, and I really don't understand it because of the fact that he didn't reach out to either party. Like, he put the whole thing out about what happened to it on Twitter. He said, okay, I made this contract with Black America. It's different demands, different things that we want for us to, like, support a political party or support a person, right? To both the two parties, the Republicans and Democrats, both reached out to him. Or excuse me. Yeah, he put that out there, and then both of them reached out to him. The Republicans said, okay, we'll take some of the ideas and put them into our platinum plan. The Democrats said, we'll talk to you after the election, right? So then from there, the person, one of the representatives from the Trump camp came out and was like, thank you, Ice Cube, for working with us to come up with this platinum plan. And, you know, yada, yada from there, trying to get, you know, they, they doing what they got to do because they trying oh, to win they the campaign. Yeah, they, 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 right, right, right. But my whole thing with it was, was like, I want people to stop thinking so emotionally about this. Like, stop being so mad at Trump that you can't hear out what Cube doing. Like, I can very much so get behind a celebrity or behind anybody who's coming up with a list of demands, a list of things that we want as Black America, like, True enough, like you said, we are not monolithic. But if we can try to get somewhat of a majority, some things that we can agree on that we need done, and somebody's coming saying, hey, both the parties got to step to the table, and if you want our vote, this is what you got to do for us. I can agree with that. That makes sense to me, no matter whether it's Cube, no matter whether he's talking with Trump. I don't care. Like, I just recently found out Richard Nixon, who I really didn't like as a president, almost gave us an all-black city. Like, People that you might not agree with might be willing to work with you. So you got to figure it out. You got to be willing to bring a contract or something to the table. Do deal. Do business. Now, yeah, like Lyndon B. Johnson, right? We know all of the stuff that happened in the civil rights era. Lyndon B. Johnson, you know, one of the biggest racists, like, and self-proclaimed. You know what I'm saying? Like, self-proclaimed. Yeah. And, you know, so there was a quote. I don't want to butcher it, but basically it's like there are no permanent friends and enemies in politics. It is who's in line with my interests, right? Mm. Something like that. I don't want to butcher the quote, but it was something that I heard. But it, ultimately, it is what is in it for me. And that's really the prism we should be looking at. Politics shouldn't be a Democrat or Republican thing. It's what is going to benefit my community, my family the most, because we need help. You know, we need help as a people. And it's humbling to say that, but the fact of the matter is, if we don't have politicians that are purposely and willfully going out of their way to do things for us, it will never get done. It'll never get done. And the time to ask for it is when they need our vote. Mm-hmm. And then we hold them accountable. That's it. That was, man, that was my thing with the Democrats. How are you going to talk to me after the election? All right. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to leave it alone. Oh, no, I ain't going to get on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, well, and, and notice how he went to the uh, hand on the chin after that. <laughs> <laughs> he frustrated, man. Hey, I'm my brother, we genuinely appreciate you coming on this podcast with us, man. This great episode, great episode, packed with gems, bro. We definitely got to have you back, like you said. We got to stay, stay the word, gotta stay connected for sure. For sure, uh, stay the word, man. Could you let the people know again how they can find you on social media, where they can follow you at, how they can tune in with uh, tap in with Money Ave, like 
Just all the things you got going on. Yeah. Absolutely. So number one, Money Ave, you can find Money Ave at moneyaveave.com. We are in the process of rolling out the next iteration of our platform, but you can reach out to Money Ave if you want to get any type of financing, any type of funding, uh, investment, as well as financing as well. We do that there. And also, we're going to need you to support a black bank that's coming out. I know Killer Mike got his black bank, but you know, we both can operate in the same space. Mm-hmm. We definitely need you. We already in the marketplace. We got over 40,000 customers helping people to create wealth. We're definitely going to need that. Other than that, you can find me. I'm dropping gems constantly on my YouTube channel, A. Donahue Baker. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm giving free game there. Like it's literally like we're bringing not only billionaires, right? I don't, I don't know how many people got billionaires on their podcast, but you know, we got a couple billionaires on mine. So that's something that's going to be coming down the pike as well on the social media platforms, Instagram, YouTube, all the same name, A. Donahue Baker. Follow me, Facebook, follow me, um, Instagram, Twitter. I'm on Black Twitter. You know, we engage with them too. So that's it, man. I really appreciate the brothers for the platform that they've built and for having me on. I hope to come back soon and share and build. And whatever I can do to support you guys in your movement, please do not hesitate to reach out to me, DM me, ask me. I'm 100% behind what you're doing. When I come to New Orleans, I want to come. Well, I know you're not in New Orleans now, but I love that gumbo. So I'm trying, <laughs> I can cook some gumbo. So let me know you. We can cook that. Say less on that, yo. Yo, I don't need to twist. You don't got to twist my arm. I'm there. <laughs> but uh, but cheer, brother. It's been a pleasure for real. Hey man, we definitely appreciate it, bro. Before we wrap this thing up, everybody, we're gonna hop into a couple of house cleaning items. As always, y'all, thank y'all for listening to the podcast. Make sure y'all leave that rating and review for us. It helps us grow the show. We really, really love hearing feedback from you guys. So, like, just keep sharing. We, uh, Jared, who left the most recent review? I know that's your job, man. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm on it, man. I was just waiting. A <laughs> uh, special shout out to Gamer for real. He said, I appreciate you guys so much for everything y'all doing for the culture. Keep up the good work. Top five podcasts out. Top five, top five. Hey, we appreciate it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Also, y'all, y'all make sure y'all check in, tap in with our book, Manage Your Money Like the 1%, a step-by-step guide to managing your finances and getting started building multiple streams of income through investing. Also, be on the lookout for Credit Fundamentals coming soon so you can learn how to take advantage of your credit. Just some of the things that we were talking about. We see a lot of people getting credit repair, but a lot of people don't understand how to utilize credit and how certain things affect your credit. So that's why we took it upon ourselves. My brother Jared worked hard on this course. He's going to be teaching you the basic, the fundamentals, just how to really just use it, what affects your score, how you can do certain things like lock your score, like we were talking about. So y'all definitely, definitely check that out. Also be on the lookout for all the other products that we have coming out. After Credit Fundamentals, we have the Podcasters Playbook. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast and want to learn how you go from A to Z, we're going to be doing that. That's going to be a masterclass. We're going to come in. We're going to walk you through it. We're going to show you how you can come up with your name, everything, equipment, all of that, editing. It's all going to be in that class. So y'all tap into that too. Yo, Jared Kelly, y'all got anything else? I just want to say keep investing in yourself. Um, You're already investing in yourself listening to this podcast, but enjoy all these great products that we have releasing. 
and they're, they're going to help you learn a lot. Promise. Yeah, let's give it up for y'all one time, damn it. Hey, for sure. Y'all know we love y'all. And on that note, y'all, this is Blackwell for Renaissance signing out. Peace. I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my lot unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper. All I know is run money marathon. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh, yeah. Love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.